Hello, and welcome to the final reports on January 6th, a reading. I am your host, Robert Keniston. This is episode 21. In this episode, we'll begin chapter 6, Be There, Will Be Wild. Reading this portion of the reports will be Karen Brundage. So, without further ado, let's begin. Chapter 6. Be There, Will Be Wild. On December 14, 2020, electors around the country met to cast their electoral college votes. Their vote ensured former Vice President Joe Biden's victory and cemented President Donald J. Trump's defeat. The people and the states had spoken. Members of President Trump's own cabinet knew the election was over. Attorney General William Barr viewed it as the end of the matter. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Secretary of Labor Eugene Scalia concurred. That same day, Scalia told President Trump directly that he should concede defeat. President Trump had no intention of conceding. As he plotted ways to stay in power, the president summoned a mob for help. At 1.42 a.m. on December 19th, President Trump tweeted, Big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there. We'll be wild. The president's tweet galvanized tens of thousands of his supporters around the country. President Trump had been lying to them since Election Day, claiming he won, and that the Democrats had stolen victory from him. Now, with a single tweet, the president focused his supporters' anger on the joint session of Congress in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Anika Navaroli, the longest-tenured member of Twitter's Trust and Safety Policy team, monitored the reaction to President Trump's Be Wild tweet. She told the select committee that the president was essentially staking a flag in D.C. for his supporters to come and rally. The tweet created a fire hose of calls to overthrow the U.S. government. President Trump's supporters had a new sense of urgency because they felt as if their commander-in-chief had summoned them. For many extremists and conspiracy theorists, the president's announcement was a call to arms. For the Proud Boys, described in more detail below, and their leader, Henry Enrique Tarrio, President Trump's tweet set in motion a chain of events that led directly to the attack on the U.S. Capitol. In the days that followed, the Proud Boys reorganized their hierarchy, imposed a stricter chain of command, and instructed followers to go incognito on January 6th. The Proud Boys had made their presence known at previous pro-Trump events, including Stop the Steel rallies, where they brandished their black and yellow apparel and engaged in street brawls. Suddenly, they did not want to stand out from the crowd. They wanted to blend in. They were planning something big. Tario allegedly used encrypted messages to plot the January 6, 2021 attack. On January 4, 2021, Tario told his men that they should storm the Capitol. While the attack was underway, Tario claimed credit in a private chat, writing, We did this. And on the evening of January 6, Tario released a video of a man, presumably Tario himself, dressed in an odd costume standing in front of the U.S. Capitol. The eerie production had been recorded prior to the events of that day. Tario, who was not in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, titled it Premonition. 
The Oath Keepers, a far-right anti-government militia movement, also described in more detail below, began planning for January 6th after the president's tweet as well. Stuart Rhodes, the group's leader, had agitated against the U.S. government for years. Immediately following the 2020 presidential election, Rhodes and others schemed to stop the peaceful transfer of power. They stored weapons outside of Washington, D.C., hoping that President Trump would deputize them as his own militia. An Oath Keeper leader, Kelly Meggs, read President Trump's December 19th tweet and commented in a Facebook message, He called us all to the Capitol and wants us to make it wild. Sir, yes, sir. The Oath Keepers formed two military stacks and marched up the steps of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Megs led one of them. Members of both the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers have been charged with seditious conspiracy and other serious crimes, including conspiracy to interfere with a federal proceeding. Some, including Stuart Rhodes, have been convicted. U.S. law defines seditious conspiracy as plotting to overthrow or to oppose by force or to use force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States. Some of the two groups' members have already admitted that this is what they intended to do. Other extremists and conspiracy theorists mobilized after President Trump's tweet as well. These movements are described in more detail in subsequent sections. Three percenter militias, another far-right anti-government movement, shared Occupy Congress memes and planned for violence at the U.S. Capitol. Nick Fuentes, leader of the white nationalist Groypers, rallied his followers for January 6th. Fuentes bragged afterwards that the Capitol siege was fucking awesome. Users on the Donald.win, a website populated by some of President Trump's most ardent fans, openly discussed surrounding and occupying the U.S. Capitol. Adherents of QAnon, a bizarre and dangerous conspiracy cult, believed January 6th would bring the prophesized storm, a violent purge of Democrats and government officials promised by the mysterious online personality only known as Q. QAnon's devotees flocked to Washington, D.C. because of the president's tweet and subsequent rhetoric. They shared a digital banner, Operation Occupy the Capitol, which depicted the U.S. Capitol being torn in two. One especially notorious conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones, repeatedly told his InfraWars viewers that January 6th would be a day of reckoning. Jones is known for his outlandish conspiracy mongering, including his baseless claim that the massacre of schoolchildren at Sandy Hook Elementary School was really a false flag operation staged by the U.S. government. Of course, his vicious lie was disproven in court, but Jones is obsessed with deep state conspiracy theories and often propagates them. After the 2020 presidential election, Jones argued that President Trump should use the power of the government to impose martial law on American citizens. Along with his InfoWars co-hosts, Jones amplified President Trump's big lie and relentlessly promoted President Trump's wild protest. One of Jones's co-hosts floated the idea of storming right into the Capitol. Jones himself marched on the Capitol on January 6th. 
Jones's influence helped shape the planning for January 6th behind the scenes as well. The select committee investigated how event organizers and the White House staff planned President Trump's rally at the Ellipse, a park south of the White House. This event was intended to rile up the president's supporters just prior to the joint session of Congress. A wealthy heiress paid for the event after listening to Jones's InfoWars rant about the importance of President Trump's tweet. She spent $3 million with the goal to get as many people there as possible. It worked. Americans who believed the election was stolen flocked to the nation's capital. By January 5th, President Trump's supporters, a large, angry crowd ready for instructions, had assembled in Washington. That evening, he could hear his raucous supporters at a rally not far from the White House. The president knew his supporters were angry, and he planned to call on them to march on the U.S. Capitol. He even wanted to join them on the march. It was all part of President Trump's plan to intimidate officials and obstruct the joint session of Congress. We fight like hell, President Trump told the crowd assembled at the Ellipse on January 6, 2021. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Some of those in attendance, as well as elsewhere in Washington that day, were already prepared to fight. They had begun preparing two and a half weeks earlier when President Trump told them it would be wild. Chapter 6-1, How Far-Right Extremists and Conspiracy Theorists Planned for January 6th. The Stop the Steal Coalition. President Trump's Be Wild tweet immediately mobilized extremists and conspiracy theorists in the Stop the Steal Coalition. The phrase Stop the Steal was originally coined in early 2016 by President Trump's longtime political advisor, Roger Stone. At the time, Stone alleged first that candidate Trump's Republican rivals were attempting to steal candidate Trump's nomination. After Trump became the nominee, Stone repurposed the saying to claim that former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton would steal the presidency. When President Trump won the 2016 election, Stop the Steal was rendered moot and did not become a significant political movement until President Trump's defeat on election night in 2020. As early as November 5, 2020, Stone advised associates that he intended to reconstitute Stop the Steal by building an army of lawyers and suing like there's no tomorrow. Ali Alexander, a right-wing provocateur who has worked closely with Stone, quickly organized a new Stop the Steal campaign. On November 10, 2020, Alexander established Stop the Steal as an entity incorporated in Alabama. Alexander added a bank account and various websites. One of Alexander's key allies in the Stop the Steal movement was Alex Jones. Prior to January 6th, Jones riled up crowds both in person and online with incendiary rhetoric about the election. Jones's Infowars was also a platform for others in the election denial coalition. For instance, both Enrique Tarrio and Stuart Rhodes made multiple appearances on Infowars, including between Election Day 2020 and January 6, 2021. Another frequent guest on Infowars was Roger Stone, a Nexus character in the Stop the Steal Coalition. Stone recommended that presidential candidate Donald Trump appear on Jones's show in December 2015. 
Trump accepted the invitation and praised Jones at length during his appearance. The significance of Trump's interview with Jones should not be underestimated. Donald Trump was a leading presidential contender at the time and would go on to win the election. His appearance with Jones normalized InfoWars, welcoming its conspiracy-minded audience into Trump's base. Trump did not appear on InfoWars again. However, Stone continued to make regular guest appearances. After Election Day 2020, Alexander Jones and other Stop the Steal organizers held rallies around the country to protest fictional claims of voter fraud. These events provided an opportunity for radicals and extremists to coalesce. The Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, and Three Percenters were all attendees. QAnon adherents were well represented. So, too, were the white nationalist Groypers and their leader, Nick Fuentes. Stop the Steal events and other protests throughout 2020 helped build the momentum for January 6th. The Select Committee collected data on 85 right-wing events between January 1, 2020 and January 20, 2021, which were inspired by opposition to COVID-19 lockdown measures, racial justice protests, and later, the perceived theft of President Trump's victory. Far-right extremists protested at or inside state capitals or at other government buildings in at least 68 instances. Of those, 49 occurred during the period after the election through January 6th. In the year leading up to January 6th, there were at least nine events at which far-right actors entered state capitals. At least four of these capital incursions in Michigan, Idaho, Arizona, and Oregon involved identifiable individuals who later participated in the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Consider, for example, the protests held in Atlanta between November 18th and 21st, 2020. Leaders and rank-and-file members of the Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, and Groypers gathered outside the state capitol and the governor's mansion for nonstop events, including armed protests. Enrique Tarrio and Stuart Rhodes personally led contingents of the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, respectively. Jones first announced the Atlanta events on InfoWars on November 16th. In his announcement, Jones teased that he would be joined by Roger Stone and also called on listeners to surround the governor's mansion in order to prevent the election results from being certified. Fuentes advertised that he would be speaking at the Capitol every day at noon. In fiery speeches across Atlanta, Fuentes spread election lies as well as wink-and-nod hints at intimidation and violence. Alexander, standing alongside Jones and Fuentes outside the state capitol on November 18th, exhorted the crowd to storm the capitol with them. The three men led a crowd into the state capitol building. On November 20th, Roger Stone gave a speech outside the Georgia capitol. Speaking through a telephone held up by Alexander, Stone advanced election lies and finished with a provocative rallying cry, victory or death. That same day, Fuentes told the crowd, look, we've been in front of the state capitol and we've been trying the wrong approach. Days earlier, at a nighttime event outside the governor's mansion, Alexander, again flanked by Jones and Fuentes, goaded the crowd. We'll light the whole shit on fire. While the crowd did not turn violent, the Stop the Steal protests in Atlanta, Georgia, 
prefigured January 6th in important respects. Stop the Steel organizers tried to use the mob they had assembled, including extremists from the Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, Three Percenters, and Groypers, to intimidate lawmakers and overturn the election results in Georgia, which was required to certify former Vice President Biden's victory in the state by the end of that week. They implored their followers to storm the Capitol. As discussed in Chapter 8, this same coalition of radicals did just that on January 6, 2021. Other Stop the Steal events helped pave the way for the events of January 6th. Two rallies in Washington, D.C. on November 14th and December 12th, 2020, were critically important. Alexander's Stop the Steal was not the only protest organization present at these events. Both were called Million MAGA Marches and drew in other rally organizers. One of these other protests was called the Jericho March Prayer Rally. Regardless, the same constellation of actors that appeared in Atlanta also incited Trump supporters in Washington. For instance, during the Jericho March rally on December 12th, Stuart Rhodes called on President Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act as part of a desperate gambit to remain in power. In Rhodes's vision, he would lead militiamen on behalf of President Trump when others tried to remove him from office. If President Trump did not invoke the Insurrection Act, Rhodes warned the crowd, then they would be forced to wage a much more desperate and much more bloody war. Alex Jones also gave an incendiary speech at the Jericho March event, declaring, I don't know who is going to the White House in 38 days, but I sure know this. Joe Biden is a globalist, and Joe Biden will be removed one way or another. As the crowds gathered in Washington on December 12th, President Trump was publicly lobbying the Supreme Court to hear his fictitious claims of election fraud. The president assailed the Supreme Court on Twitter throughout the day. The Stop the Steal coalition was eager to help. After the Jericho March event ended, Jones, his InfoWars co-host Owen Schroyer, and Alec Alexander led a march on the Supreme Court. Once there, the crowd chanted slogans such as Stop the Steal, 1776, Our Revolution, and The Fight Has Just Begun. President Trump made sure to let the protesters in Washington know that he personally approved of their mission. During the November rally, President Trump waved to the crowd from his presidential motorcade. Then, on the morning of December 12th, President Trump tweeted, Wow! Thousands of people forming in Washington, D.C. for Stop the Steal. Didn't know about this, but I'll be seeing them. Hashtag MAGA. Later that day, President Trump flew over the protesters in Marine One. When President Trump tweeted one week later that there would be a wild protest in Washington on January 6th, the Stop the Steal coalition immediately began to mobilize. Jones posted an article on the InfoWars website asking readers if they would answer President Trump's call to defend the republic. The next day, December 20th, Jones devoted much of his InfoWars show to the president's announcement. Jones told his audience several times that if 10 million Americans came to Washington, D.C. on January 6th, Congress would have to listen to them. He repeated this idea over the course of the episode, saying things such as, He's calling you. He needs your help. We need your help. We need 10 million people there. 
We need martial law and have to prevent the police state of foreigners from taking over. Jones added, it's literally in our hands. It's literally up to us. Other InfoWars hosts promoted the wild protest as well. In late December, Matt Bracken told InfoWars viewers that it may be necessary to storm the U.S. Capitol. We're going to only be saved by millions of Americans moving to Washington, occupying the entire area if, if necessary, storming right into the Capitol, Bracken said. You know, there, we know the rules of engagement. If you have enough people, you can push down any kind of a fence or a wall. Far-right extremists plan to do just that. This podcast has been a production of 2008 Studios under a contract with SAG-AFTRA. Casting support services has been provided by Breakdown Services. The recordings herein are property of 2008 LLC. Any inquiries to collaborate or contact can be sent to info at 2008.com. That's info at 20-08.com. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please feel free to share this podcast. And of course, please subscribe to be updated on future episodes. Thank you for listening.